Now this morning I want to bring a word the Lord laid on my heart for this day. I'm thrilled about it. It's called the need for rest. Someone turn to Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. Now, I'm going to preach on the need for rest. How many of you will stay awake with me this morning? If you will, say a good amen. And I also want to welcome uh, Dave Bailey from my home church, South Hills Assembly of God in Pittsburgh, is with us this morning. Would you just welcome him? Him and his wife were just, I mean, marvelous, marvelous pillars of our church. They have been a blessing to my family in ways that uh, people will never, ever know. I'm so glad you came this morning. It, it always, it, it's always fun to have people from home come in, but uh, you're a remarkable man of God, and we love you. Thank you for coming with us this morning. Amen. James, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says, On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Lord, we welcome you this morning. May we decrease, may you increase. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for a season of rest. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us to enter into your rest so that we can do all the rest that you have for us in our lives. And we'll give you glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you know, rest is so important that God has woven it into the very fabric of his creation. Rest is part of the cycle of life. It is literally in the DNA of everything. We need to rest daily. And we need a day of rest weekly. And God even designed the land to need to rest every seven years. It's interesting. How many of you know God needs us to rest in different intervals? If we want to walk in personal peace, if you want to be sound in your emotions and in your thinking and in your mentality, then rest must become a regular part of our life cycle. I don't know if you realize, you and I were created to sleep a third of our lives away each day. Is there anyone in this room who likes to sleep just a little bit? Is there anyone in this room who hates to sleep? You find some people that don't like to sleep, but then you also find people who love to sleep. The Bible said that God commanded us to stop from normal activity at least one day a week. I want you to hear me, sleep and rest is not unproductive. As a matter of fact, it is reproductive and it is restorative. God created summer for when things are in full bloom and he created winter for the land to rest. God created our lives and he created nature to have a rhythm of being active and then times for quiet and times for recovery. Our current fascination in our society right now is go, go, go. It is driven. It is always on the run. And can I tell you that this is not only not advisable, it is unsustainable. You cannot always be on the go. It sounds good to say, I'm a person on the go. That's good, but it is also a good thing to say, I'm a person who knows how to rest. Turn to someone and say, I know how to rest every once in a while. Listen, it is 
through this that God brings a necessary balance into our lives and he shows us how to do it through nature. The Bible tells us that God blessed that day and he made it holy. To be holy means to be sanctified, to be set apart, to literally have that day become unique and special and dedicated for the purposes that God designed. People today, you hear them say, well, really every day is just like any other day. Can I tell you, it is not supposed to be that way. I love Sundays. They are meant to be a special day set apart for the Lord. Come on, someone say a good amen. I love Christmas Day. It is a day meant to be set aside to celebrate the birth and the life of Jesus Christ. There are days that are holy. I will tell you that the moment that every day becomes like every other day means that nothing will become special or sacred in your life. And there is a design by the enemy to take that uniqueness and specialness out of our lives and out of society. The Hebrew word for rest is sabbat. It means to cease and desist from labor. The Bible tells us that God worked and then he rested from his work. And I will tell you, this has been an area of my life where God has had to work on me. Our family were workers. We love to work. I promise you, Dave, you know my mother. My mom, you've got to talk her into just sitting down and being still. But God put such a high value on rest that he actually made it a part of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 28 through 11 in the Amplified says, Remember the Sabbath or the seventh day and keep it holy, set apart, dedicated to God. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath, a day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the temporary resident who stays within your city gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and everything that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, that is, set apart for his purposes." The Bible tells us that Jesus did fulfill every bit of the law, but it does not mean that we should stop obeying his commands. How many of you know there are still commands we're to keep? The Bible tells us that we still need to keep the Sabbath rest. And while God has blessed our times and seasons of rest, the world actually curses the seasons of rest as unproductive and intrusive. And while we talk about vacations and downtime, the truth is that few of us actually practice it. I'll tell you, there was one day where Greg and Dale came to me and they said, Pastor, you know, you have about five weeks off every year, but you haven't used any bit of it. And they said, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I said, <laughs> how many of you know I heard from my wife? We talk about how we can work eight or ten hour days. 
that we're to read at least 10 books a month, spend time playing with our families, exercise every morning, binge watch our favorite shows, keep up with the news, teach our children, cook healthy food every day, keep our house clean and updated, and work at the local soup kitchen so that we can pay it forward. Can I tell you, I have found that that is just not sustainable. Not only that, I have found that the people who tell you that's how you should be living your life, aren't doing it either. They just can't. I've watched them. I've read their articles. I felt bad that I wasn't being that productive. And then I realized that that was a trick of the enemy to get you so wore out that you could never make a difference in the kingdom of God. Listen, if I get through 10 books a year, how many of you know that's a great thing? If I can get through five of them, it's even better because then I can remember what I read. Someone say a good amen. I want to tell you, you should be well read and you should do things, but, but listen, you need to be... Now, there's some students in here clapping their hands. You're being educated at the moment. There's a difference. Amen. The world does not praise rest. It mocks it as unnecessary. And people who flow with the rhythm that God created and commands us to follow are deemed lazy and unproductive. But God blesses and even commands us to work hard, but then he desires us to rest and enjoy life. I found that many people's idea of a vacation is to fit a year's worth of adventure into a single week. And then most of us come back from vacation, needing a vacation from our vacation. And the truth is that we absolutely miss the entire point of what it means to go on vacation. Others of us think that we can fit an entire year's worth of rest in one or two week vacation. Again, you've kind of missed the point. I have found that even the most high energy type A personalities even the young and physically fit need times to rest. As a matter of fact, I have found that if you fit into that category of being a highly productive person, that you probably have a greater need for rest. Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31 in the Amplified says, Even youths grow weary and tired. And if you have teenagers, how many of you know they like to sleep? And vigorous young men stumble badly. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in Him, will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles, rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. Everyone gets tired. Everyone gets weary and loses strength, and they lose stamina and focus. That's why God created seasons of rest and waiting on the Lord so that you can continue to operate at a high level. Come on, someone say a good amen. I love that one uh, line out of the Christmas song that says, The thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. How many of you think that weary would describe the world we live in? And it is. The truth is that when you don't take time for rest, the other things that the enemy brings into the world and into society will just leave you absolutely wore out. And so you must take time to focus. The secret to keeping going is to rest and to wait on the Lord. That's how you gain 
new strength. That's how you renew your energy. That's how you refresh your spiritual anointing that God has called you to do. Rest is the secret to staying close to God and rising like an eagle. Rest is the secret to being able to run and not grow tired and to walk and not grow faint. Listen, it's all in the pacing. Seasons of going and seasons of pausing. And we need to understand that rest is a pause. Not quitting, and it's not lazy, it's necessary. Turn to someone and say, your rest is necessary. Glory to God. Rest is needed in two vital ways. We need inward rest, and we need outward rest. Someone made this observation, and I thought it was brilliant. They said, all physical strength is spiritual in cause. All true rest will start inside of us. And we have not truly rested until we've rested within. How do you know that you need inner rest? It's actually really easy to gauge. All of us have gotten a full night's sleep and then have woken up the next day not feeling rested in the least. How many of you have ever been there? Our minds and emotions, they're still going. We're still thinking. We're still trying to work everything out. I want to tell you, you can still be working and not actually doing stuff. Far too many of us shut down, but we don't ever turn off. If some of you could just see the look on my wife's face right now. <laughs> Listen, I promise you, when I preach, I preach to myself. Tiredness affects more than just our bodies. And if that was all that tiredness affected, then a nap would solve all our problems. I want to tell you, I've been enjoying watching Emily. When she gets cranky, you could tell. How many of you have children or grandchildren? You just know what you need right now is a nap. And I love that. And while a nap will fix many things, it's vital that we learn to rest in the Lord spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. And resting in God is a spiritual discipline, much like prayer and fasting. How many of you have found that there are days you need to pray through? You ever started praying and then you started thinking and then you needed to go back to praying and then all of a sudden you realized you weren't praying, you were thinking and then you had to go back to praying? How many of you have started resting and then realized you weren't resting and needed to go back to resting? How many of you have ever just gotten and allowed the Lord to begin to refresh you and there you were, you were God was refreshing and then you stopped being refreshed because you got back to working on stuff and God says stop. It's a spiritual discipline. We, we aren't taught much of this stuff in the house of God, but it's important that we realize it. It's important that we understand that rhythm. And in our culture, it's more important that we get a hold of this, especially in this day and age. Because if you do not take, away, take time to come apart from the world and life, you will never be able to make the impact. We will never be able to help transform our society for the glory of God. It is not meditation where you empty yourself of everything. Can I tell you when you get to that place, you're already running on empty. This is where you go to be intentionally 
filled up spiritually. One of the things that I found about our months of prayer and fasting is that they aren't just seeking the face of God for what he's going to do in the year of our church. It's a month where God begins to do stuff in us, where he renews us, refreshes us. I can tell you that every time I have gone and sought the Lord for extended periods of times of praying and fasting over something, God winds up doing more in my life than just in the situation. And I believe that out of the overflow of prayer, out of the overflow of being in the presence of God, you're going to watch God work through our life and our church like we've never seen before. You see, it is rest where we put ourselves in a position to be filled with all that the Holy Spirit offers. I want to remind you that a car isn't tired because it ran out of gas. It just needs a fill-up. There's nothing wrong with the car except that it needed an exchange of fuel from another tank into its tank. How many of you know that that's what happens when you go to rest in the presence of God? That you begin to get His life and His glory and His goodness to fill you up so that you are constantly being filled. Psalms 4 verse 8 says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Psalm 62, 1 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. When a car's on empty, it sputters and it spurts. And finally, it shuts down. Jesus said, My yoke is easy, my burden is light, I'm gentle. I'm humble. Learn from me. You ever notice that when you actually go to rest to the Lord, the enemy will start making you feel bad that you don't know what you know and start to make you feel bad for resting and make you feel you should be... I can tell you that every time, every time, hear me, because of my personality, what I come from, every time I go to rest, I start feeling like I should be doing something. I start feeling like I should be guilty. Listen, I could be in the middle of a great Steeler game, and when they're winning, it's even better, amen. But I gotta tell you, there'll be times, you know, if you were doing something else other than sitting here doing this, you could be more productive with your life. The devil's a liar. Well, they have been losing a lot. That's frustrating. And then you know what you do with that is you turn off the TV. You do something else, like take a nap. But when you can't physically sleep because you are spiritually drained, we learn to exchange our emptiness and our hurt for his healing and his filling. When you need inner peace, you don't just need calm. You need the Holy Spirit who is the comforter. And can I tell you, the Bible calls him the spirit of peace. Take time to pray. Even if you don't know what to say, just be in the presence of God. Do you know that when you fill up a car, you're actually supposed to turn it off? 
so that it can be filled. And if you need to say something but you don't know what to say, just allow the Holy Spirit to begin to fill you. Quit trying to be on. Quit trying to fill. Listen, if you're empty, just let them fill you. Come on, someone say you're good to me. We keep looking at people, and I don't know why we do this. They're on empty, and we go, why are you so empty? Because I'm empty. Well, you're sputtering. Yes, I am. So get filled. You don't need to feel guilty about it. You ran. You were doing what you're supposed to be doing. Now stop and allow the Lord begin to fill you up. Listen, stress is unrelenting. It's unkind. It's brutal. The enemy drives and drives and drives. But the peace of God is gentle and humble and kind. You don't only need inward rest, but you also need an outward physical rest. Do you realize that people used to not be hurried and hassled? They don't. This is historically a new thing in our day and age. People have always worked hard, but they never ran like they didn't actually know what they were doing. And those who live by the new rules, they wear out, they burn out, and they fizzle out. And what we're finding right now in our society is people are discovering that they can't keep the sustained pace and the workplace is changing. COVID has actually brought a pushback to the workplace. People are going, I shouldn't be working 60, 70 hours a week. There may be seasons of that. People are going, I want to work from home. Now, there's just people that are lazy and don't want to work. That's one thing. But then there are other people that are understanding this being driven. They're living to work instead of working to be able to live. And it's changing. When my mom and I, will, we sometimes vacation in Tennessee. And if you've ever, see, Florida, is, this part of Florida doesn't feel like the real south. I mean, those who have lived here, when you get in other parts of the south, it's a little slower pace in a lot of places. To me, it's been interesting. I'll go in, like people at the cash register, they'll be talking. We went into to Pigeon Forge and the cashier was like, how y'all doing? Beep. Beep. And I'm just like, dear God, if you move any slower, you're going to be stopped. Could you please check me out? I don't want to live at the grocery store. Beep, I will help you. I mean, I went around to the other side of the counter and I started begging for her. I'm like, you don't understand where I come from. This is a three-minute purchase. You've made this a 10-minute event. I just want to get my groceries and go. And I'm like, come on. And my wife will be going, you know we're on vacation. I said, I know we're on vacation, but if they'll just bag my groceries, we can hurry up and get to where I want to be. And she's going, you're missing the point. Can I tell you, I love that. Now, I do like to move. I like to go. But sometimes you need to rest. I hear people say, I would rather go out in flames than just burn out and fade away. And I have news for you. Those are not the only two options. You don't have to go out at all. That's just utter foolishness. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, 
lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. We choose to enter into God's design of Sabbath rest. Jeremiah 6.16 says, This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its paths and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. Do you realize that many times we are tired because we're so busy chasing the new? The old godly ways, can I tell you, are not passe. They are a place of rest. And so many people, even in Christendom, respond like Israel did at God's invitation to rest. No, we don't want it. I want the new thing. Listen, God's doing a new thing, but they're established in His established ways. Can someone say a good amen? He is the God who does not change, but we always want to see change. I love what someone said. The message doesn't change, but the methods do. But can I tell you, sometimes... The older methods still work. And God says when you're at the crossroads, you have a choice to stop and choose the old godly ways, and you can't go wrong. If you'll do that, you'll have peace inside and outside instead of turmoil and chaos and confusion inside and out. What I found is that there are inherent dangers that come with a lack of physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental rest. If you'll mark this down, number one, when we don't rest, we have little energy for Bible study and prayer. Because both take concentration and alertness. Anyone else in this room ever fallen asleep during prayer? Oh, come on, the rest of you are lying. Look at you, you don't have to put your hand. Liar. Is this a trick question? It is not a trick question. Listen, who wants to be on? Anyone in here ever fallen asleep during? Listen, some of my best naps have come in the presence of God. Dear Lord. Listen, but can I tell you, how many of you know he's a gracious Lord? Listen, and if you don't believe that, how many of you have ever fallen asleep while talking to your spouse? Greg, thank you. There's like, there are men going, I ain't even being honest to that. <laughs> no, I did, yeah, like this. Listen, I, listen the other day I was, I, was, I was talking to someone in my office, and I don't know if they noticed or not, man, I was focusing, I'm focusing, and I fell asleep. I mean, I'm telling you, I was out, boom, and I came back, I heard enough of the conversation. I was quick, dude, I was right back in the conversation, but I was gone, and I'm like, Lord, help me. How many of you know that's a sign you need to get away from the office and get a nap? But listen, you need time to rest. That might have been you, I don't know. Was it you, Ron? I don't think so. You were... <laughs> You're not boring. I love you. I don't know who that was. <laughs> I know what's wrong. Help me out of this. I'm going to just go on to the next point. Watch it. When we don't rest, we're often short-tempered and unkind to those we love the most. I'm not even looking at my wife. Instead of remembering how precious our family, friends, and coworkers are, they wind up receiving our least when they should receive our best. And too often we take out our fatigue on our family. Next is when we're tired, we react instead of responding. One time when I was driving a long distance, I was so tired 
that I actually thought I saw someone coming into my lane, and I swerved. I overcorrected because I didn't see in advance what they were doing. I even missed their signal. But really, that can happen in all areas of life. We can overcorrect with our kids, our spouses, the decisions that we make. Never make big decisions when you are tired because it is a response to just wanting something done and over with instead of doing what needs to be done. Take time to rest. When we're tired, we are also more vulnerable to temptation. And Samson and Delilah are a perfect example of this. Samson, a mighty man of God, who the Lord used as a judge with the Philistines, with the nation of Israel. But Judges tell us what happened when he just got wore down and tired. Judges 16 says, Then Delilah pouted. How many of you know the enemy will pout at you? You're not paying attention to me. You're not doing... Listen, some of the guilt and the fear or the angst you feel in the spiritual is just the enemy pouting because you won't put up with what he's doing. See, the enemy is a tempter, and you can be tempted in many different ways. Listen, how many of you have had kids pout at you when they don't get their way? I love that. I love when my kids pouted at me. That just made me happy. I went, really? That's your manipulation point? Because that does not work with me. It doesn't. I got to tell you, my, no, my granddaughter will not. Oh, no, don't you, don't you put that on me. No, 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 uh-uh. I'm telling you, not a chance. I, uh, listen, we made it through with our kids. My grandkids, they'll be spoiled, but they are going to be wise. Come on. I'm just telling you, uh-uh. My, my wife was funny. She's got these great brown eyes. My wife has beautiful brown eyes. Her brother, she could get in. I watched it. We were dating. Her brother, she said, I need a new pair of shoes, Bobby. And, man, he bought her those brand-new $100 pair of shoes. Boom. I got to tell you, she, she came with me and she started looking at me with those eyes and for just a little while. I know, you saw. She's trying right now. Listen, but I want to tell you, listen, when people, the enemy will pout when you don't do. So it says, then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. She sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. And Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head on her lap. And then she called on a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down. And his strength left him. When you are tired, you will let down your guard to sin and you allow your pride to get the better of you and before you know it, sin has caused all your strength to leave. There is not a parent in this room who hasn't been exhausted and you had said no and you were holding your ground with your kid and your kid finally came to you when you were tired and you just let them have what you wanted, they wanted to have just so they'd go away. And then when you know what you found? In that moment of tiredness, you created a problem. 
You know, listen, I believe Christians are smart people. After you've done that one or two times, you realize you've got to quit doing that stuff. How many of you believe we need to quit doing that with the enemy? Fatigue is an open door for the enemy. And when you're tired, you are easily agitated, easily manipulated. And what I found is when we fail to rest, little issues get magnified. You can't see straight. All of us have been so tired that we don't have perfect vision. Things get out of focus. But when you rest, you can see straight. Can I tell you, when you don't have vision for what you need to do, you don't have understanding, get in the presence of the Lord and rest. There are things the enemy will bring into your life that will just try to confuse you and wear you out. Physically, take a break. And then spiritually, put yourself in the presence of God till you can see. What I found is that when we fail to get rest, ministry to others becomes difficult. Can I tell you, you cannot pour from an empty cup. Some see the cup as half full. Some see cups as half empty. But I just want to tell you that cups are refillable. And so are you. Someone needs to hear this. God gives free refills. And all you have to do is come and get filled. Ministry is service to others. And God desires that ministry to be a joy and not a burden. And can I remind you that difficult is not the same as burdensome. But you can't do difficult if you don't have the energy for it. So you need to be filled. This next week, Don and I often take the week between Christmas and New Year's to rest. We'll be here a little bit during the week, but you might call the church and say, well, I couldn't get anybody. Or I called your phone and you didn't pick it up. Leave a message, we're resting. We'll still pick up, we'll find out what you had to say. But listen, how many of you know you need to refresh? You have to. You can't pour from an empty cup. And when we refuse to rest, here's what we need to consider. That we're actually dealing with idols in our life. When we work without a break or a pause, it may just be that we're trying to prove our worth and value to gain the praise and approval of other people. I want to leave you with this thought. It is important that you and I see resting as an investment. Too often we see it as unproductive. And I want to tell you, I'm excited with what God has for this church. How many of you are excited? I promise you that in the midst of the revival I believe we will see, there will be times I'm going to have to preach this message to us and say, go rest. Pastor Maddie came to me two weeks ago. She said, I know we, we have children's service. She said, but listen, we, we teach special needs kids every day of the week. Mom and I are tired. Can I not be there on Sunday morning? Absolutely. Go rest. And they are. Can I tell you, it is important that we take those times. It's an investment. And rest does several things. It allows you to recover. Just as physical exercise breaks down muscles and your body needs to rest to build back up, we need to recover and rest physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I want to tell you, you were never designed to always be at full capacity. 
Secondly, rest gives you time to reflect. Too often high achievers talk about reflection as a way to look back and see what you could do better. Can I tell you, that is not rest, that is stress. I had a pastor I served under once, and man, we came out of an incredible week of things. God had done powerful things. We were exhausted and tired. He said, we're going to get together, and we want to reflect on everything that we could do better. I said, wait a minute. We just had an incredibly successful time. Don't we get a chance to just celebrate? And I remember coming away from that meeting, I was like, dear Jesus, now we're on to the next, the next the next. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, that's how the devil works. That's not me. Evaluation is something you do after reflection, after you have rested. Reflection allows you to enjoy the wins. It allows you to enjoy a job well done. And after hard days, it allows you to know that you can leave the day in the past and actually appreciate all that the Lord has done. I want to tell you, make sure that you do not confuse reflection with evaluation. Because if you do, you will never rest. Evaluation looks back and asks, what can I learn? What can I do better? And all that is good. And it gives you an edge over others who don't learn. But it must have its place. Resting isn't about learning. It's about letting go and learning to enjoy. You've heard me say this before. I remember that same pastor who wanted to evaluate instead of reflect would go on vacation. He said, yeah, we're going on vacation numbering in two books with me. I can't wait to get these in. And I asked him, I said, what is wrong with you? He said, we're growing, we're learning. If you don't constantly learn. I said, I want to go and swim. I don't want to sit by the pool with a book. I just want to rest. Now watch this. The last thing is this. Rest allows you to rekindle and rehydrate. Someone said that recovery is for the body. Reflection is for the mind. And rekindling is for the heart. You cannot stay passionate without rest. Enthusiasm is not sustainable without taking time to stoke the fires. I found that a lot of people think that enthusiasm is the result of continual bursts of inspiration and power. But the truth is, enthusiasm is more about stewardship. Enthusiasm actually means to be spirit-filled. The Bible tells us that we are to be filled with the Spirit continually. The fires of the Holy Spirit must be tended to like a natural fire. And any fire that is left unattended will eventually go out. Rest just means that we take time to get stoked. Get time to get filled. I want to remind you that fires are not always meant to be raging. Touch someone next to you and say, you're not supposed to always be on. I have found that most fires that are effective and that don't do damage or fires that don't go out are actually well managed. They always have embers burning. And if there are going to be times of rest, you want times where the embers are hot without the flame. 
And after you have rested, you can build it up again. The Lord is taking our church in some great places. He's taking your life in great places. There's some things that I've learned from some of the great revivals in history. The reason why they only last about five years is because they try to keep the flames burning hot all the time. And they never take time to just burn, to just rest. I believe that what God wants to do in the coming years, what God wants to do through this church, will come with seasons. And you always get Christians because, listen, I've been in Pentecost now since I was eight years old. I've been serving the Lord since I've been a minister since I was 20 years old. And I've watched, I have watched the, the church say, we've got to always be on, we've got to burn, we've got to burn, we've got to burn. But can I tell you, if you don't have seasons of rest, you'll simply come to a place where you no longer want to burn bright. You say, that's enough. And that's why many fires go out. Turn to someone and say, I ain't letting it go out. I ain't letting it go out. Would you stand with me this morning? Oh, I hope that encouraged you this day after Christmas. I believe God had a word for us. Listen, I pray you'll go home and rest. How many of you still got some leftovers? Here's what I recommend. Go eat them after church and take a nap. And if the Steeler game gets frustrating, turn it off. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> Father, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness. God, you have been so good to us. We thank you for the season that we are in. Lord, it's good to celebrate Christmas. We also thank you for the season that we are in as a church. God, a time of plenty, a time where you are moving, a time of unity, a time of your goodness. But Lord, right now I thank you this coming week, a season of rest. Lord, even as we enter into next month to pray and fast, I thank you that that's a time of spiritual rest where we seek your face for the things that you're going to do in our life, where you strengthen us personally, individually, in our families. But Lord, also a time when you equip us and fill us as a church. Lord, we thank you for the new year that's coming. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. But Lord, we thank you that out of these times of refreshing, will come the new thing that you're doing in this community. Holy Spirit, I thank you that it's just not another thing you add to our list. It's a thing that we do so that we can be filled with you. Father, right now I speak rest over each one in this place. For those that are at home, that are watching, I pray, Lord, that you would just, this week it would be such a special time. Whether they go back to work or whether they actually have vacation time, I pray, Lord God, that it would be a time of filling. I pray for those that are mentally wore out that you would renew their mind. Not with greater ideas, not with greater things to do. I just pray that you'd fill them. Peace in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for physical bodies to be healed. Others that just need to know the fullness of your goodness. Those who are on empty emotionally, I pray that you would come along and fill them. And I thank you, Lord, that you do. I thank you, Lord, that we never leave disappointed. Like a car that goes to a gas tank that's meant to fill it up and it does, I thank you we come to you and we are filled. And your word says to be filled and keep on being filled. That out of our belly would flow rivers of living water. Thank you, Lord, that we always have that supply. 
And Lord, I bless your people as we leave this place today. Lord, I pray that families would grow closer, that the times would be sweet, and that, Father, your refreshing would really just make all the difference. And we'll give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday at 7 or in the new year on the 2nd, next Sunday at 10. God bless you all.